Hello everyone, you're watching Inside the Americas, the headlines. A once-in-a-century gridlock in Washington. Republican Kevin McCarthy loses three votes in a row in one day in his quest to become the new House Speaker as party rebels block what should have been an easy win. Then a send-off fit for the so-called King. Soccer great Pele was buried this week in Brazil. 230,000 fans turning out to say a final goodbye to the idol, who died last week, aged 82. And we'll take you to the most influential tech event in the world. Peter O'Brien will be on set to tell us about the innovations to watch out for at this year's Consumer Electronics Show in Las Vegas. I'm Jeannie Godula. Well, there was gridlock in Washington this week as U.S. Republican Kevin McCarthy failed to become House Speaker on the first ballot, something that hasn't happened there for a century. It was supposed to be an easy win for the Republican favorite, but he was blocked three times in a row in one day by a small group of rebels from within his own party. That stalled vote was just another sign of the increasing divisions in the Republican Party, as Nicholas Rushworth explains. Chaos in the House. As first days go, it was a disaster. The majority Republicans were split and their main candidate for Speaker, Kevin McCarthy, fell well short. A Speaker has not been elected. Following the procedure used by the House in 1923 and recorded in Canon's Precedent, Volume 6, Section 24, the clerk is prepared to direct the reading clerk to call a roll anew. That left the Republicans scrambling to explain how come they won a majority in the midterms, but could not even choose a leader. We're going to figure this out, because we're big boys and girls. And once we get it done, then we're going to move on and do this business. Even I'm not old enough to remember when this happened, uh, you know, 100 years ago. So uh, uh, I don't think we have any parameters. Quickly. This was a historic mess for the Republicans. There have only been 14 floor fights in 234 years, and the last one was a century ago. In the 19th century, there was a ginormous tussle when it took almost two months to decide a speaker in the years 1855 and 1856. But we do not have Events the cast a shadow on the Republicans' yet. ability to run the House, including passing appropriation bills and debt limit legislation. The far right of the Republican Party is in open rebellion, ever loyal to Donald Trump. If you want to drain the swamp, you cannot put the biggest alligator in charge of the exercise. There's very little difference between Nancy Pelosi and her California delegation mate that seeks the gavel. And we want to change because this town is broken. Battle lines are drawn as Trump seeks a second term. In a post published on Truth Social, he wrote, without irony, that there is so much unnecessary turmoil in the Republican Party. And he savaged Mitch McConnell, who was reappointed Republican very, Senate leader very, in a calm session. Okay? Very, very, very. The turmoil deals another hammer blow to public perceptions of life on the Hill, with polls saying three out of four Americans disapprove of the way Congress is handling its job. Four years ago, Venezuelan President Nicolas Maduro broke off relations with Washington after it refused to recognize his win in the presidential election. Well, this week, Maduro extended an olive branch, saying he's now willing to work toward normalizing relations with the U.S. Emerald Maxwell explains. 
After years of shunning and being shunned by the United States and its allies, Nicolas Maduro is taking steps to return to the international fold. In an interview with Venezuelan state television on Sunday, the president extended an olive branch. Venezuela is ready, totally ready, to take steps towards a process of normalization of diplomatic, consular and political relations with the current administration of the United States and with administrations to come. Maduro was ostracized following widely disputed presidential elections in 2018. The United States placed sanctions on Venezuela's oil sector and along with 50 other countries, recognized opposition leader Juan Guaido as the country's rightful president. Maduro responded by breaking off relations with the US in 2019. But Guaido failed to dislodge Maduro in the nearly four years since, and his initial support dropped off. On Friday, Venezuela's opposition voted to dissolve Guaido's so-called interim government. Today we're taking a leap into the void. Today we're capitulating. 72 lawmakers have capitulated. The lawmakers defended their decision as realistic, saying the interim government was no longer useful. Maduro's government wants the US to lift its sanctions on Venezuela's vital oil sector and help revive the collapsed economy. And although it has yet to recognize Maduro's government, Biden's administration has also made tentative efforts to normalize relations as the war in Ukraine puts pressure on oil supplies. Last June, it sent delegates to Caracas to meet with Maduro and negotiate prisoner exchanges, among other topics. Brazil said a final farewell to Pele this week, burying the football icon after a 24-hour wake that was attended by tens of thousands of fans. Newly inaugurated president Luis Inácio Lula da Silva also paid his respects at Vila Belmiro, the stadium where Pele played for most of his career. The sports legend died last week at age 82. He was laid to rest in Santos, the city where he became famous after moving there to play football at age 15. Antonia Kerrigan has the details. In a send-off fit for the so-called king, Pele's coffin left his longtime home ground in Santos, where he lay in state for 24 hours, to journey through his home city atop a bright red fire engine to his final resting place on Tuesday. 230,000 fans turned out to say a final goodbye to an idol, a symbol of Brazil and of football. He's a world icon, for me the greatest of all time. He made Brazil's name around the world. Before that, nobody knew Brazil. Football will no longer be the same after his departure. Neither will Santos. I live in Sao Paulo, but I grew up here near the stadium, and I have photos of him and me together when I was a kid. All these tributes mean that the king will be with us forever. The footballing legend was laid to rest in the world's tallest vertical cemetery, which overlooks the city and stadium of Santos, where he played for 17 years. The Santos club anthem was played, as firemen lowered the casket off the fire engine to enter the cemetery. The resting place was one he had chosen, feeling it didn't look like a cemetery and that it had an air of peace and tranquility. His remains were laid to rest in a tomb guarded by two life-size bronze statues of the timeless legend.
Well, a new year means a new smorgasbord of gizmos, gadgets, and flops at the Consumer Electronics Show in Las Vegas. CES is back in business after going virtual in 2021 and seeing a significant drop in attendance in 2022. France 24's tech editor Peter O'Brien's been taking a look at this year's offering. He joins me now on set. Hi, Peter. Hi, Jeannie. What inventions have caught your eye so far? Of course, we have the usual bigger, higher resolution TVs and the better hardware on sort of big tech uh, offerings. But everyone is mostly interested in CES, as we know, for the wacky gizmos and ideas that come out of it and the occasional uh, hidden gem in there as well. So, for instance, if you thought that personal health monitoring had gone too far, take a look at this. French company Withings has presented a disc that hangs in your toilet and mon monitors your me metabolic intake, whatever that is, when you pee. <laughs> That's uh, important. Yeah, I guess. Uh, this is a bin, which was a smart bin made by Orbi, which knows exactly what food you've thrown in it. So I actually think that could be quite useful for some restaurants. Um, here's a smart pillow made by the South Korean startup Ten Minds, which if you start snoring, moves your head around. Mm. Um, here's a device to check the ripeness of an avocado. Oh, I need that one. Startup one third. You must have a pretty bougie kitchen then. Uh, uh, that's not fitting in mine. This one is a cushion made by Cubo, which has a tail that wags faster and faster the more you pat it. And finally, I want to show you this smart birdhouse, which takes pictures of the birds that land on it and identifies them. It's called Bird Buddy. And unbelievably, it was made by someone whose name is Kyle Buzzard. <laughs> All right, that's all very fun. But of course, this year has been quite difficult as far as the economy goes. We've seen a downturn that's hurt lots of tech companies. What effect has that had on CES this year? Yeah, we won't quite know until after the salon. But what is, what is true is they're expecting a lot less attendance this year, about 100,000 people. Whereas if you look at 2020, it was 180,000 people. Interestingly, of course, we saw a lot of health tech innovation last year. You know, that was things like uh, smart masks and air purifiers. But there's still a lot this year. And that's not just because of the sort of lingering effects of the pandemic. It's also because health, along with things like childcare and accessibility, are sort of bankable things during an economic downturn that um, people see as sort of necessary. Another interesting um, factor is that we're seeing less than half of the Chinese e exhibitors that we saw in 2020 after China's COVID response slowed its economy dramatically. Mm. Are we seeing any kind of long-term trends coming out? of this show? Well, I can tell you three things that the tech world really wants you to care about, even if you perhaps don't so much. It's the metaverse, uh, self-driving cars, and smart homes. So all of these are powering through different sorts of criticism, but they're heavily represented at CES this year. There's a dedicated metaverse and a Web3 zone, and there are so many automakers that are trying to convince investors that one day they will achieve full autonomous cars without a uh, safety driver that some have said it actually feels more like an auto salon. Mm, okay, Peter, thank you for that. And thank you for that look at this year's CES. Thanks to you for watching France 24. We'll see you again next time for all the news from north to south. With all the main European news, debates between representatives of the best and worst performing EU member states and exclusive interviews with major personalities. Talking Europe, presented by Catherine Nicholson on France 24 and France24.com.